Welcome to episode 6 of the Henry Cejudo Experiment. This episode begins one week before the opening ceremonies. Of all the Olympians headed to Beijing, Henry's story was one of the most unlikely. After being born to undocumented immigrants and raised in poverty, he was about to represent the United States on the biggest stage in amateur sports, the Olympics. It was a moment that Henry's friends and family weren't going to miss. And in total, over a dozen of Henry's supporters made the trip to Beijing. But one person who didn't was Henry's mom. My mom couldn't attend the Olympics due to her citizenship status. She wasn't a, you know, a U.S. citizen. In other words, she couldn't leave the country. She couldn't leave the country to go watch her kid wrestle. So to me, it was like, no, this is, this is, this is things that we've always dealt with. You know, it's like, hey, you got to go get the job done, son. While his closest supporters would be watching him live, Henry's mom would have to watch his Olympic debut from Colorado. But before Henry left for Beijing, dressed in street clothes, he went on a tour of the Olympic Training Center. I remember doing the actual tour just to remind myself, why is it that I want to become Olympic champion? The place that Henry had called home since he was 17 was a popular tourist destination. And each year, thousands of fans tour the OTC to see the Olympians up close. First you go and you watch the video of all these Olympic champions. You know, seeing highlights of Roland Gardner because he was on that highlight reel. And then going through the tours and then reminding myself like, hey, this is real, man. I keep that inspiration. It's not just about being an Olympian. It's about being an Olympic champion. A few days later, Henry boarded a flight headed to Beijing, China. The Olympics were finally here. At 8.08 on 8.8.08, the opening ceremony kicked off for the Beijing Olympics. When Henry landed in Beijing with his Team USA warm-up and Olympic credentials, he had two weeks until the biggest tournament of his life. You see, in wrestling, the Olympics are our Super Bowl, Tour de France, and World Series rolled into one. Here's Daniel Cormier, Henry's Olympic teammate. There's nothing like the Olympic Games. It is the most intense thing you've ever... I've fought in front of 20,000 people. I don't know if the moment of walking out there for the country is not as daunting. Henry's coach, Terry Brands. And you wrestle down to two guys left. It's once every four years. And you step in there and you have one shot to be the Olympic gold medalist. Unlike other sports who have multiple world champions... In wrestling, the only thing that matters is the Olympics. When you're the Olympic champ, you're the best wrestler on the planet. Given the stakes of the Olympics, you never know how an athlete's going to react until they get there. And after Henry got settled in the Olympic Village, he started to feel the pressure. I never really felt this feeling before out of all my years wrestling, which was hard. It hit me like, it hit me so hard because like my mind was like playing games with me. But to the point where it was almost like real, like run away. Within two weeks, all this stuff is over. Run away? What do you mean? Like run away, like just leave, like don't show up for weigh-ins, just run away. It was a real feeling that that I'm just like, man, where is this coming from? 
I am literally about a week away from accomplishing my dream, and why is this shit going on like now? Henry's coach, Terry Brands, was the first to notice that something was wrong. He just was off. He, he didn't look right. He didn't feel right. I wasn't right. There was something about that trip. There was something about me wandering, like me kind of like going through the stages of like, dude, this is it after this tournament. That's what makes Terry a good coach, man, is him realizing and seeing things like that. Back to Terry. He just needed a little bit of a shove, and I wasn't sure how that was going to get done. I just wasn't sure. With less than a week until the tournament began, Terry decided he had to take matters into his own hands. So at practice one afternoon, he surprised Henry by saying that Angel wouldn't be his workout partner that day. He would be. I was like, all right, Terry Brands. I was talking to myself. I go, I got to get strapped up. He's got to, you know, he's got to get more out of it. And it was awesome. You know, I got my tail whooped. But it was extremely physical and extremely high-paced. Here's Henry. I'm going to tell you right now, he beat the shit out of me. 100%. Angel could confirm it. And I see Henry and Terry just going at it. Back to Henry. I needed that. Like... He had given me like that last, like that push that I feel like I needed rather than protecting myself and being safe. That, that extra push that I needed was like, hey man, it's a fight, bro. Like almost like I caught that window fight like right away where I didn't need a wrestling match to teach me it. After his workout with Terry, Henry turned his attention to the battle before the battle, the weight cut. I literally had about the worst wake up, like, literally of my life, like, even till today. It all started the morning of the weigh-in. Standing in his hotel room, Henry nearly fainted when he stepped on the scale and the red numbers appeared on the screen. He was 10 over. By the time I stepped on the scale, I'm just like, damn. I'm already like, dude, Terry's about to put me through some hell, dude. He's about to put me through some hell. Minutes later... Henry called Terry, and they set a plan to meet in the workout room by noon, which would give him three hours to lose the 10 pounds. But at 12 o'clock, there was no Henry in sight. And the thing I didn't like is I had a time set, and he didn't show up on time. And then, now I'm going, okay, you know, the math isn't making sense. Finally, Henry showed up. And I talked to him very sternly, and he responded awesome like he always did. With three hours until weigh-ins, Henry, Terry, and Angel headed for the sauna. The way Terry does it is you go in the sauna, then you get on the bike. After 90 minutes of this routine, Henry wanted to check his weight. But Coach Brands thought otherwise. You're not checking. I am down. No, you're not. No, you're not. And you're going to go more. You're going to go two more. You're going to go three on, three off, three on, three off, and then we'll check. And then you get him to do another one. After another 30 minutes had passed, Angel watched nervously as Henry stepped on the scale to check his weight. So I'm thinking, okay, he should be on. But Henry was still a pound and a half over. And I'm like, oh, no. And that's the worst feeling, thinking you're on weight and you still have another pound left. After nearly two hours of working out, Henry strapped the plastics back on and headed towards the sauna. Now we're taking the bike in the sauna, full-on plastic, and now he's just riding. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if this dude passes out, I'm going to 
grab him. We're going to the hospital. After weight cut, after Olympic Games, I'm going to get him to the hospital. 15 minutes later, still in that hot sauna, Henry was barely able to push the pedals. And I remember thinking, like, please, don't let him, don't let him die. Like, that's how, to me, that's how serious it felt. With less than an hour until weigh-ins, Henry stepped on the check scale and was underweight. After driving across town to the weigh-ins, Henry officially made weight and was entered into the tournament. A few hours later, Henry was in Angel's room when Terry called and said it was time to come back to the village. And Henry was like, I want to stay with Angel tonight. Due to security reasons, all athletes were supposed to stay in the village, whereas Angel's hotel was a few miles outside the Olympic Village. So I went up to the USOC gal, and I'm like, hey, uh, Henry's going to stay with Angel tonight. And she was like, no, he can't. And I was like, no, he's going to stay with Angel tonight. And she was like, no, he can't. She freaking like literally was calling security. And his eyes were like big. And I go, yeah, he's going to be all right. We'll, we'll go, we'll go. And I go, I went up to him. I go, get in the stairwell and go up the stairs. And you're staying with Angel tonight. And him and Angel, they stayed in the same room that night. I do remember that. Wow. I was wondering why he stayed with me. Man, he had everything he needed at the Olympic Village. At 7 a.m. the next morning, Henry and Angel arrived at the arena, entered through the athlete's tunnel, and headed to the warm-up area. That morning, I'm like, oh, man, my brother's going to win the Olympics. I'm confident. And then I see Kudakov. And then I see Velikov. Then I see that Belarusian that beat him. And my confidence is like, oh, no. Like, it dropped. When you see those familiar faces that every single one has beaten Henry, I'm like, oh, man, you you were so laser-focused in what Henry was doing, you forgot about the competition. So now my confidence is down, and I'm not telling Henry anything. Angel's confidence took another hit when he and Henry found out his first-round opponent. And guess what? I ended up drawing first match. I ended up drawing Radoslav Velikov, the 2006 world champ. Hailing from Bulgaria, Radislav Velikov was one of the best 55-kilo wrestlers in the world. Not only was he the 2006 world champ, but the previous season, he dominated Henry at a tournament in Ukraine. I don't think nobody's really put a beat that on me like him when I wrestled him in Ukraine. He just controlled me, pulled me. It was almost like an amateur versus a pro. With less than an hour until his match with Velikov, Henry began his warm-up. But two floors up in the arena, rumors of Henry's draw began to spread through the American section. Here's Daniel Cormier. His first round match was like, I was like, God dang it, he got another tough draw. Henry's performance at the previous world championships, where he finished 31st, didn't give the American section much confidence. Here's Henry's youth coach, Frank Sines. I've had coaches that were there from here and, uh, you know, that I met in the United States. Said, oh, it's good to see you here. I said, well, Henry's going to get a lot of experience. And I'm like, wow. I mean, he's got opportunity just like everybody else. What do they mean by that, you think? Well, he wasn't going to win. That's for one. Way to go for showing up kind of thing. It wasn't like good luck. You know, I like to see him in the finals. It was like, oh, he's going to get a good experience. Maybe his next Olympics he'll be able to, you know, 
do well. As the rest of Henry's cheering section was getting settled, back in Colorado Springs, Henry's mom was pulling up at their Hurtado household. Here's Dave. My wife and and Henry's mom, and they would they came over to the house, and they were watching it at our house. I mean, that the whole family would just get getting together, and I was calling them from Beijing and, and giving them updates. Okay, Henry's going to be on in ten minutes, and this is what's happening, and and that kind of thing. Before long, Dave was calling home, telling Henry's mom that it was finally time for his first Olympic match. Back in the warm-up area, Henry and Angel were standing in the tunnel with Velikov just a few feet away. Here's Daniel Cormier. You're, you're in the back, and you're getting ready to compete. And you're warming up back there, and you're getting ready to go. And they call your name, and it's you and your coaches. They're holding up that, that stick. It's like a pole. It says USA on it. Two feet to the left or to the right is your opponent with whatever country he's from. And then they trudge you out there, man, in front of the world. As Henry emerged from the tunnel and was walking towards the mat for his first Olympic match, his older brother Alonzo was watching. You know, growing up, being Mexican-American, there's not a lot of uh, Mexican-American athletes. So for for me as as a big, especially as a big brother, to see my little brother representing the red, white, and blue, fuck, I'm in heaven. In a red singlet, Henry stood on Matt B, shook Velikov's hand, and the match began. If Henry lost, it would mean an end to his dream of winning Olympic gold. After opening the match with a hard club and two ankle pick attempts, Henry's pace slowed. From that weight cut of how I felt, I have never felt shock through my legs. Like literally like shock. And I felt that that whole match after a scoreless first period, Belikov won the clinch and quickly took Henry down. Henry now had to win two straight periods to win the match. But 20 seconds into the second period, Belikov went on the attack again. Here's Angel. Belikov has Henry's leg in the air. I remember at one point he had my leg up in the air. Kind of pushing him, pushing him, pushing him. Henry gets to the corner or right at the edge. His leg is straight in the air kicks out and I ended up literally like some acrobatic stuff like literally like twisting like taking the chance and just turning my hips stays in bounds takes him down right to a gut wrench to eventually win the second period as the third period began Velikov was gasping for air as Henry continued to push forward that's when I just started feeling better I just brought the fight to him I just brought the fight I could feel it It felt good to know that I fatigued the motherfucker that fatigued me. With short time remaining, Henry scored a takedown to win the period and the match. I ended up beating Velikov in that first match, which was like a super, super hard match. Henry's win over Velikov was monumental. It advanced Henry to the quarters, and it was his first win over a world champion since Henry had beaten Basit Kudakov back in 2005. Minutes after the match, Henry was backstage and found an empty locker room. His brother Angel followed closely behind. So after almost every match, he'll go in the back, he'll cover his eyes with the shirt, and what you know, ten minutes before a match or five minutes, you go, hey, it's time to go. Minutes later, Henry was walking to the mat 
for his second match of the tournament. Second match, I ended up wrestling uh, the Georgian. I was losing. I was behind on that match to come from behind and then beating him. After beating the Georgian, Henry advanced to the semifinals. In the semis, I had a Sebdimov, the same guy who had beat me in Ukraine. Namig Sebdimov from Azerbaijan was a former military world champ who had beaten Henry during the 2007 season. Now I get a chance to get my rematch. If Henry won this match, he advanced to the Olympic finals. Here's Angel. Now I'm thinking, okay, at least he made it to the semis, and if he could win, he could at least take a a silver. Those little thoughts do come to your head. As Angel was wrestling with his thoughts, Henry stepped on the mat for a semifinal bout. I remember it was a fight, bro. Like, we're literally, it was a scrap, man. We literally fought tooth and nail. Terry Brands was watching from the corner. Seb Demov's a fighter, and he just doesn't give up position easy. After losing the first period, Henry battled back to take the second. He walked to his corner to see his coach, Terry Brands. Remember, he's coming to the corner, and he's like, the guy's punching me, and I'm like, right here, baby. Right here, don't matter. It don't matter. You do what you do. We had so such solid resolve through all of that. With 45 seconds left in the third period, the match was tied 3-3 three to three when Henry takes a shot. Here's Angel. He shoots, gets really strong, takes him down, and wins. After the clock hit zero, Sevdemov fell to his back and started crying, while Henry ran around the mat celebrating. But watch that video. When Henry takes that last takedown and wins the match, Henry's like, yeah, he's celebrating. I remember, like, literally celebrating the semis. Ah, you can see me. Terry Brand looks at him and says, You have one more! You have one more! Like, checking me again. You have one more match. We didn't come for this. We didn't come to the, the Olympic Games to get to the finals. We came to win. After his win in the semis, just one match stood between Henry and the Olympic gold medal. And with four hours until the finals, Henry retired to his hotel to get some sleep. Or so he thought. And I'll never forget this because I remember going going back to the hotel. I remember feeling like scared for the first time. I remember literally feeling scared for like for the first time in like in my life, man, honestly, like to compete. So I'm just like, man, from having all these crazy thoughts of running away, of of all that, like it, like everything's gonna come down to this. Everything's gonna come down to this match right here. Like my dream, like everything that I've inspired, the daydreaming, the times that I was in classroom and thinking about winning an Olympic gold medal, waking up, seeing the Olympic rings every time I would leave. <sighs> I couldn't sleep. Terry had his Bible there, tried reading the Bible, couldn't do anything to kind of put me to sleep, nothing. And it felt like eternity. As Henry tried to calm his nerves, across town, his supporters were getting ready for the finals in their own way. Henry's youth coach, Frank Sines, was resting in a park, trying to calm his nerves. I chilled. I found a place, some grass and a tree. I was thinking about all the stuff that we did before this Olympics. And all I just thought about is, man, we're here. We're in the finals. I mean, this is what we did all this for. Back at Henry's hotel, 
After he couldn't sleep for nearly four hours, it was time for the finals. Henry shuffled into the lobby of the hotel when his coach, Terry Brands, looked at him and asked if he was ready. I never really tried to show a lot of emotion like next to Terry. Like, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. Fuck, I was scared, dude. What were you feeling inside? No, it was just weird because I, I didn't want to see an Olympic silver medal like around my neck. The, the dream wouldn't be right, man. Like it just wouldn't be right, man. For everything that I've gone through as a kid, the pain that I've gone through in my career of losing, of winning, all that, the agony of it. A few moments later, Henry hopped into a Lincoln Town car and headed towards the arena. And then once I got to the arena, I was like, man, I'm winning this thing. I've dreamt about this moment so much that once I was actually in it, once that present day came, I'm like, no, this is this is what it's going to be. I don't know how I'm going to beat this dude, but I'm going to beat this dude. Henry's opponent was Tomohiro Matsunaga from Japan. The Asian Games champion that summer was the only thing standing between Henry and an Olympic gold medal. 30 minutes later, the officials gathered Henry and Tomohiro to walk out for the Olympic finals. 55 kilos gold medal match. Henry Zehudo of the United States of America in the red singlet, 21 years of age. As Henry stood on the mat, waiting for the match to start, his brother Angel, sitting in the first row, waited nervously. And his family. Angel, his training partner, his older brother, Alonzo, a brother here, as well as his sister, Gloria. He is the youngest of six. And standing next to him is his coach, Terry Brands. This is Tamahiro Matsunaga of Japan. After the coaches cleared the mat, Henry walked to the center, shook Matsunaga's hand, and the match began. And we are underway, best of three format. With 50 seconds left in the first period, Henry clubbed Matsunaga with his right hand, leaving his leg exposed. The Japanese wrestler dipped under the club and exploded to a single leg, driving Henry out of bounds to score the first point of the match. Matsunaga gets a point on the push out as he attacked that single leg clinch. Tomohiro felt so strong in that match. I could just feel the strength. As action resumed, Henry went on the attack. Kevin Jackson, the head coach of the U.S. national freestyle team, giving him encouragement. Zahudo getting two points. Henry's shot and subsequent exposure of Matsunaga was enough to win the period. Now, just one two-minute period stood between Henry and Olympic gold. Second period. Henry Zahudo in the red singlet of the United States. Early in the second, Henry snapped Matsunaga's head and exploded into a takedown. It was, uh, you know, something that, that something that Kel Sanderson taught me, you know, moving the shoulders, moving the head and finding those ankles and then eventually like driving it through, through a little, through a high crotch. And the red singlet of the United States, single leg, clinch takedown against Tamahiro Matsunaga of Japan. Gets three points. This is for gold. After Henry's takedown, he led 3-0 with just over 90 seconds remaining. His brother Angel was now standing on his feet, yelling from the stands. And I remember my family, actually I was annoyed by them because 
you know, they were just cheering and jumping for every score that he got, and I'm trying to tell him to shut up because the match isn't over. Less than 15 seconds remaining for Henry Cejudo and a gold medal. He leads here in the second period, 3-0. Five seconds, four seconds for Henry Cejudo and a gold in 55 kilos. Henry Cejudo has done it. He has won the gold. Cejudo becomes the youngest Olympic champion in USA wrestling history. With Matsuniga still clinging to Henry's leg, wishing the match wasn't over, Henry closed his eyes and let out a primal scream. And it felt good. It felt good to just scream and yell. Like, ah! Like, it's it. Like, like this is what I worked for my whole life. Like, foregoing college, immigrant son, um, you know, losing my dad in 2007. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 it was for that moment. You know what I mean? And to, to let all that stuff go was just, uh, just priceless, man. As Henry stood on the mat celebrating, his friend Eric Alberson threw an American flag over the rail and onto the mat. I'm holding the American flag and I'm, I'm running around with it because that's how proud I am. Like me winning, bringing that American flag and literally running, like, like that was real. Like that was the emotion that I wanted to feel. That was whatever, everything that I was like searching for. Ah! As Henry ran around the mats, waving the American flag, tears streaming from his face, his brother Angel was cheering him on from the stands. Like I couldn't believe it. I thought it was in a dream. Like all these years and all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, he's an Olympic champ. It was a, a memory and a moment that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Standing next to Angel was Henry's surrogate father, Dave Hurtado. My heart was so filled. Yeah, it was amazing. It was an experience I, I think about almost every day. After running around the mat, Henry found his family and jumped into the stands. And because we were just going nuts and wanted to get over the rail, and Henry comes through and fights through them after he wins the gold, climbs up the rail and hugs us all at the very top, which is just amazing. Then he jumps back down and goes back on the mat. Fifteen minutes later, Henry was standing atop the podium when the official draped the Olympic gold medal around his neck. Being on that award set, it's, it's, it's surreal. I almost didn't believe it. As the national anthem played, Henry's youth coach, Frank Sines, stood proudly with his hand over his heart. I cried for a bit, and yeah, it was, and then just to, to watch Henry stand in the middle of the podium and then the American flag, and I'm an American, and it's like, wow, just the ultimate dream. And to be part of it and be a part of a kid winning a gold medal in the Olympics was just like, wow, biggest thing ever, you know? Angel Cejudo. I felt joy, I felt relief in a way that it's over, man, you, you did it. You don't have to carry the cross, you don't have to carry that burden on, on your shoulders anymore. You know, I knew his life was gonna change forever. After stepping off the podium, Henry made his way through the back and found his family. They piled into a van and sped off through Beijing. After a few hours of joyriding, they headed to a party hosted by USA Wrestling. Doc Bennett was there. At that particular Olympics, they gave a medal for a coach that coached 
an Olympic champion. And at that deal, they presented this medal to Terry for coaching Henry. And at that evening, Terry turned around and presented it to me and said, this is really yours. That's Terry Branch. Here's Henry. I know why Terry did that. You know, Terry did that because he's like, no, 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 Doc Bennett was a guy that saw the potential in this kid. And Doc Bennett was part of this. Back to Doc. When he won it, it wasn't just him wanting it. It was me. It proved to me that my idea for how we could do things and make it better worked. Proved my plan. After Terry gave Doc that medal, he gave a speech that those in attendance would never forget. But he said something that night that I'm just like, Jesus, man. He says, this man was able to do something that I wasn't mad enough to do. And I'm just like, I get hearing that from like, it was almost like the passing torch. I didn't feel bigger than Terry, but he made me feel bigger than him. With the black eye, with everything, the gold medal, I'm just like, holy shit, what just happened? Here's Terry. I was so happy for him. Here's a guy that we know his backstory with his heritage and his culture and where he came from and, you know, his mom and dad and how he was raised and, you know, how he grew up. So that in itself is a great American story. But now you have a guy that bought the dream and then he executed it. And that's big. And that's big. And that's why he's the Olympic champion. Looking back on it now, that Olympic finals was the last time that Terry coached Henry. In the weeks after the Olympics, Terry left the OTC and took a coaching position at the University of Iowa on his twin brother Tom's staff, a position that he still holds to this day. The morning after Henry won gold, he began a media circus that would last weeks. A 21-year-old American has become the youngest U.S. wrestling gold medalist ever. Henry Cejudo wrapped himself in the American flag, tossed from the stands by his family. It's the American dream. It's something I've always dreamed for. Actually, all the time I look at it, I just smile. After the closing ceremonies, Henry continued his media tour. He flew to L.A. for The Tonight Show. And it was a cool interview, and at the very end, he's like, hey, Henry, if, you know, I know your mom couldn't attend the Olympics. I just said a joke, hey, you know Mexicans, you know, with, you know, you know how many kids they have. She had to take care of her grandsons and granddaughters and all that. And, she, and he's like, hey, if you had a message for your mom, would, you know, say right there to the TV. He's like, and I remember saying in Spanish, I'm like, ama, I quiero mucho. You know, mom, I love you. This medal's for you. It's not even for me. You know, I dedicate this to you. And then next, you know, Jelano brings her out, and she's literally coming out, and I kind of start tearing up a little bit. And uh, my mom comes out, ended up putting the gold medal on her. It was a special moment, man, that I'll never forget. In the months after the Olympics, Henry continued his media tour, signing deals with Coca-Cola, BMW, and Procter & Gamble. He threw out the first pitch at three MLB stadiums and met two presidents. But in the end, Beijing will be the last Olympics that Henry ever competed in. After winning gold, he retired, and despite a brief comeback in 2011, where he attempted to make the London Games, Henry officially hung up his wrestling shoes in the spring of 2012. 
His brother Angel spent four more years in Colorado wrestling for the Army before moving back to Phoenix. Today, Angel's the head coach at Valiant Prep and is regarded as one of the best coaches in the country. And Henry's record of being the youngest American to win a wrestling gold medal was broken in 2016 by Kyle Snyder, who, like Henry, skipped his senior year of high school to live at the Olympic Training Center. A move that wouldn't have been possible without Henry's experiment. But what's crazy about Henry's story is that after wrestling, he was just getting started. In 2014, he made his debut in the Ultimate Fighting Championships. And today, Henry is one of just four UFC fighters to hold world titles at two different weight classes at the same time. And in two weeks, Henry steps back in the octagon to reclaim his title. Not bad for a kid from West Phoenix. Thank you for listening to the Henry Cejudo Experiment. If you enjoyed this series, please check out our other audio documentaries, The Smiths, Slaying Satyev, Escape from Inglewood, Assembly Fall, Gable the Goat. If you love the show, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and subscribe to the show. We're available on every major listening platform. If you want to help support the podcast, check out our merch at store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and an exclusive poster from the Henry Cejudo Experiment. For more content, check out our YouTube page, Wrestling Changed My Life. The Henry Cejudo Experiment was written, edited, and directed by me, Ryan Warner. Writing and editing by Raleigh Peterkin. Production assistant, Dusty Kress. Business manager, Tanner Warner. Original score by Gary Lanelli. A special thank you to Chael Sonnen, Henry, and Angel Cejudo. We'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life.